Hi guys, you're listening to the Not Wonder Woman podcast and this is episode 13, How to Deal with Burnout. Welcome to the Not Wonder Woman podcast. No capes, no superpowers, just hustle. Not Wonder Woman removes the myth of the ladies who, quote, have it all and gives practical insight to help you, the working woman, conquer the world like the boss babes we know you are. Hi, guys. It's Kieran and Mel, and you are listening to the Not Wonder Woman podcast. Today, we have a guest on Emily Aries, who's going to speak to us about beating burnout and how to prevent it. Um, So we are really keen that everybody, you know, does the best that they can without putting themselves through the mill. Um, I know I've certainly been in situations where I've been working too much and just not really taking care of myself. And that's, it's not sustainable. So I think this is a really good episode to, you know, make sure that people learn from our mistakes and learn from experts. Um, So have you ever, have you mastered this, Mel? Do you know how to prevent oh burnout. please who's master who's mastered this who's mastered this it's not possible but I, I do think look you can at least start to become aware of of what your triggers are and, and what you're seeing and and just you know burnout really and we, we talk about this a little bit more with our experts and and really excited to do that but you know it isn't just the bad day or the bad week uh, we all have those We all also know when there's a point that's well beyond that, when you may be depressed, continually going to a job or or things like that. And, and I've certainly had bouts where I've had to deal with that and struggle through that or watch friends do that. And, and it, and it becomes, you know, just, just a critical life issue. And it's Mm -hmm. not something to just say, uh, at that point when, when burnout is really, really what's happening, you know, it's not to say buck up and get through it. It's, it's. It's, a, it's something we, we should we should go hand in hand with our friends and, and help them through it and, and think about it strategically about how to prevent it in ourselves. So to me, I'm really excited about this episode. How about you? How have you uh, kind of seen that manifest itself in, in your life? Um, so to, I'm uh, this is probably going to sound a bit crazy, but I'm really quite happy that when I'm stressed, I get a small patch of like eczema on my hand. And that to me, that's it. I'm like, right, I clearly am getting stressed. I'm working too much. I need to take a minute. Whereas, you know, some people, they internalize things. So they, you know, and you you can't, you can't see that. Whereas I know when I'm doing too much, when it's, it's quite clearly linked to a health problem that I know how to manage really well, but it's a very clear indicator to me that I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm overworked and, and too stressed. And I'm, I haven't had that happen to me very recently. So I, I feel like at the moment, I probably have a good, good, healthy balance. Do not speak too soon. But you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just one of those things. I just, I just feel like everybody goes through periods of time, certainly at work and your things outside of work can affect that. So just knowing when that time is for you and what to do about it is really important, I think. Mm-hmm. And I am so excited to bring this expert to you. She's going to be great. 
Hello, all you hustling boss babes. We are back right now with the Not Wonder Woman podcast, and it's me, Mel. I'm running solo today without Kieran, but I will not be left totally alone because today I have got the founder and CEO, Emily Aries, of the Bossed Up organization. We are so excited to have her here. And Emily, please say hello to everybody. Well, thanks so much for having me, Mel. It's a great pleasure to hang out with fellow boss podcasters like you. Oh, I love it. Thank you for reaching out. We're so glad you're here. I cannot wait to hear all about Bossed Up, how that came about. Uh, but today, Emily and I are both talking about something that has been near and dear to both of our hearts. I have done a lot of research on Emily, and this woman is an expert in this topic, <laughs> burnout prevention. And I, guys, is there anything more important in all the world than burnout prevention for all the women out there hustling every day? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Well, Emily, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and your background and how you formed the Boss Up organization? Sure. So I like to say I didn't start my career to help anybody prevent burnout. Burnout found me first. I graduated in the midst of the Great Recession when the message for graduates and job seekers was, you should just be grateful for any job that you can get. And while that was very true and I was very grateful to step into a leadership role at a relatively young age, putting my political science degree to work as the youngest state director in the nation for then newly elected President Barack Obama, uh, this idea that you had to murder yourself for the career that you wanted was very omnipresent. And I would argue that that's pretty present today regardless. Um, of the economic climate and the job market now, which is much, much better than it was 10 years ago. And so because I believed so feverishly in the work I was doing, I felt like I needed to put everybody else first before I even thought about what I needed to do to be personally sustainable. After all, as students, we're taught that, you know, if you take the rubric home, you take the syllabus home and put your nose to the grindstone and bust your butt, you know, you'll get an A at the end of a semester. And, and this whole concept that there was an end of the semester when you could take a break and put your feet up or go home for, you know, holiday break, that whole concept evaporates, of course, in life after graduation. Isn't that so, the worst? Why didn't they tell us that? Uh, I know. <laughs> well, it's funny because women kick ass at school, right? We, we, we dominate the degree-holding statistics out there for the last 30 years. Women have been out-earning on our counterparts when it comes to getting undergraduate and graduate degrees. And actually, there's a ton of research out there about the boy crisis happening in our schools right now and how our, our little girls are taught to sit still and perform and perfect and please. And we spend our entire lives mastering those skills. And then like after graduation, you know, the semester sprint philosophy no longer applies. <laughs> and for me personally, I, I was on a fast track to burning out because I was applying the same school, school skills that had gotten me A's, and that's not what's going to lead to sustainable long-term success in life after graduation. Mm. And so then the Boss Step organization, how are you guys reaching out to help prevent this for other women? Sure. So Boss Step is a training company where we help women step up as the boss of their lives and careers by providing the hands-on tools and training and online resources to not only prevent burnout, but to be more assertive 
about mindfully crafting the career that you want that'll put you on a path towards personal sustainability. I really want more women to feel entitled to not only achieving more, but to actually achieving on their own terms. And so we kind of bring a, a radical personal approach to professional development by saying it's not about finding success on somebody else's terms. It's about getting very clear on what success will look like for you. What does it mean to you? What are your personal priorities and values? And how do we assertively draw boundaries and set goals and strive and thrive together to achieve what feels right for you? Um, because we, you know, we live in a society where getting that promotion or climbing that ladder or getting that degree is taught to be the next step all the time. And that's not always what's right for you. I think for me personally, I got very busy being successful in politics, but succeeding in achieving somebody else's dream career. By the time I was 26 years old, I was a senior political digital strategist. I had already burnt out and had learned to reshape my career on my own terms, uh, which involved really finding an opportunity that allowed me to leave work at work every day. Oh, wow. Okay, we're going to have to do a separate Uh, podcast on that. Okay, that's already going to be planned. (laughs) Exactly. And and during a two-year recovery period, after I completely bottomed out as an organizer, I went from running my first ever 5K race to competing in my first and what is probably going to be my last Olympic triathlon. I've been spending more time on my personal life than I ever thought I could before because I thought my work is too important. I couldn't dare spend time on myself and my personal priorities or my health and well-being. And it also meant reshaping my social life. Instead of spending every evening at happy hour political fundraisers, I was spending more time on the volleyball court in Washington, D.C. And, you know, really saying to myself, I, I'm going to give myself permission to pursue a happier and healthier path toward professional success. What would that look like? And it left me more sustainable. It actually resulted in me doubling my salary. It resulted in me moving to the city I always wanted to live in, D.C. But even at 26, when I was on the other side of my burnout, I recognized that, you know, I'm doing well by somebody's terms, but these aren't my own terms. Mm. I wanted to devote my life to helping other women navigate the very rocky transition that I had just gone through with less isolation and on, mm. on, instead of going it alone and sort of stumbling your way through trial and error, to really come up with a system to help women step into the role as leader of their own life. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And so just before we get too far into this, can you tell people where they can find Bossed Up? Yeah. So we have a podcast that you can find wherever you're listening to Not in Wonder Women. And... You can find us at bossedup.com. Our, our website is full of free tools. The blog has tons of advice on everything from networking and negotiating to uh, personal sustainability and love and relationships and health and wellness. Um, and it's a really fun community of women all over the world who are supporting one another in concrete ways and, and really crafting a career and life that they love. So we have a great group on Facebook called the Bossed Up Courage Community. But if you go to our front page of our website, you can sign up to get a personal invite to because it it's really the best place on Facebook is what people have called it Good. in the group. And it's kind of amazing. 
Great. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, you know, before we get really into how to prevent burnout, I want to think about with everybody, what is burnout and kind of how do you distinguish burnout from just a really bad day or a few days when you're in the office? I'm so glad you asked that because I think the term burnout is used very casually in our everyday speech. And really, burnout is a clinically diagnosable mental health disorder. And it's one of those slippery slope disorders that can lead to more serious things like chronic anxiety and depression. But burnout is defined by its characteristics. So it's a state of chronic stress, not a bad day, not a bad week, not even a bad month, but continuous stress that doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. And it's really identified by its component parts. First, physical and emotional exhaustion, which sounds probably very familiar (laughs) to a lot of us. Um, but second, cynicism and detachment, this idea that it doesn't even matter what I do. I can't change my life. It doesn't matter how hard I work. Nobody's going to see me for the promotion potential that I believe I have. You know, this idea that I am detaching emotionally from what I used to really care about, which is very sad because burnout can hit the hardest working, most enthusiastic members of your team. And it tends to hit those, those overachievers and perfectionistic type folks hardest. So to go from, I love my job, I want to help the president achieve his policy priorities, to it doesn't even matter what I do here because the people I see getting promoted in this institution are awful. <laughs> and I, I'm cynical about what makes someone successful here. And I, I just don't feel like however hard I work, it's not going to really matter, right? Mm-hmm. Those, those feelings are major warning signs, and that certainly happened to me. And then finally, feelings of ineffectiveness and a lack of accomplishment. This inability to internalize our own successes and chalk it up to luck or say, you know, it's not like I've really accomplished anything in the last year that I've been here. Mm -hmm. So when we start hearing those warning signs, this idea that the stress I'm experiencing is not going away, there's no end in sight, I'm exhausted emotionally, physically, I'm cynical or detaching from what I used to really care about. And I also feel like I haven't gotten anything productive done or that all my hard work gets, you know, is useless because the people above me aren't going to run with it. That's when burnout can really strike. Mm. And, you know, it can, it can drain the passion from somebody who used to be quite passionate about their career. Oh, yes. And that, you know, and at the end of the day, it seems to me, you know, when you have a passion for something, that's what keeps you on point and on purpose. And so if you, if you're losing that passion, you gotta, you gotta check out those warning signs. I I will say kind of what is, what are the things that you have seen specifically in the workplace that have led to this type of burnout that you just described? What are the, what are the characteristics of those things? And just let our folks know kind of what are the signs that they should be looking out for to, to, to lead away from burnout? Mm. Well, the sad thing is as much as burnout is characterized as a personal disorder, I think our entire workplace society or our our workplace norms in America today in particular exhibit signs of being a burnout culture. Because here in the United States, especially busyness is seen as a status symbol. You know, overwork and martyrdom are on many occasions prideful things that you can do to show your commitment to an institution. Here in the United States, our workers work more late nights and weekends than any other nation, and it actually costs our 
economy over $300 billion a year due to things like employee turnover and stress-induced or stress-induced illnesses and lack of productivity because even though we're putting more hours in, we're not always getting that efficient work product out of it. So I think historically we're at a tipping point whereby a lot of employers, including the companies that I work with to help mitigate burnout culture from, from seeping into your systems and structures and processes and, and, and culture itself, is identifying really the four root causes of burnout and how they may or may not be present in your workplace. Um, so one of them, for instance, is a lack of agency. When people don't have any control over how they do the work they do, they feel a lack of agency over their, their work product and their lives writ large. So a micromanaging boss is one red flag that typically leads a lot of women to my training because they start to lose the sense of agency and control over their own work product or their own lives, and it can actually make them question for years to come in this sort of PTSD-style trauma that we can get from toxic workplaces, question whether or not they're capable mm. of doing things on their own. Mm. Wow. So it has this terrible trickle-down effect that, you know, a traumatic relationship, which I've been in a few, or Amen. a toxic workplace, <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they can detract from your sense of autonomy over your own life. Mm. And in a culture that's not quite sure it delights women who feel a sense of total autonomy over our lives, that still conditions women to care for everyone else before we care for ourselves in a million different subtle ways, you know, it's still a radical thing for women to take that power back. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do when you're burning out, but it's actually easier to recover from burnout than it is from, say, depression or anxiety, which typically involves more therapy time and medication. Mm -hmm. Burnout is something that is is serious, but it can be turned around quite a bit faster. Mm -hmm. Nice. And, you know, are there things, you know, I, I, I try to think about this in my own life of whether or not, I may be causing any of my own burnout. And what I mean by that is, is do I have characteristics, for example, where I procrastinate too much and then therefore lead to these times in my life where I feel like it's always urgent, always needed now? You know, are there any things that we can be thinking about that that maybe our own characteristics, and I appreciate there may be other influences culturally and otherwise, but you know, are there things we can do that we can kind of grab grab the bull by the yeah. horns and think think about that and think about how our own actions may lead to some sort of burnout in the future and what 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 are those kind of things we should be looking yeah. for? I love that question now. So I think of it as identifying triggers. What are the components to your work or life that identify or, or rather that trigger a feeling or sensation of burnout, this chronic stress. So are we triggered by deadlines? Mm-hmm. Are those our sort of stumbling blocks? Or if we, if we really look, if I back up for a second and, and tell you the four root causes of burnout, one is a lack of agency, which I've already mentioned. Another is a lack of purpose. So what in my work life is not giving me a sense of purpose. And is there another way I can achieve that sense? Because my best friend is an accountant, and as much as accounting is great and awesome, she doesn't get a sense of philosophical and emotional purpose from her work. So she's getting that sensation of of purpose-driven work through her uh, recreational sports league Mm. and through becoming a mother and through Mm. lots of other ways that she's impacting the world around her. Mm. Um, The final two are a lack of community and a lack of rest. So when am I 
feeling a lack of rest? When am I feeling a lack of community? What are the sprints and where is the recovery period in my year, in my day, in my month? Mm. And when we can better predict, okay, I've got a crazy week coming up. What do I need to do proactively to prepare myself for this week so that it doesn't crush me? And how can I better sort of optimize myself or better build in rest and renewal so that I know, yes, I'm going to be crushing it hard this week, but next week I'm going to give myself Monday morning or half a day on Monday off Mm. whenever possible, which is, of course, not an easy thing to do. But simply identifying, hey, what's gone on this week that has left me feeling so burnt out? Maybe it was as simple as I didn't talk to a single one of my friends Mm. all week. Mm. And maybe it's on my lunch break, I need to FaceTime with my college besties who I haven't talked to in too long because that gives me a sense of community and support and encouragement in a way that I'm not getting elsewhere right now. Oh, I love those proactive steps. I just think that is key for us to remember that we do have some control. And and I appreciated your commentary about that, that just, you know, this lack of control, lack of agency, but we do have some things exactly that call, call your person, right? Call your, um, do, do, do those things that, that help bring you back to sanity. Or if you are like me, sometimes procrastinator, figure out, you know, plan better. Think about that. Think about how you could outsource the things that, um, that may be coming up that week. I, I just, I, I love those reminders that you give us on that. And, and, uh, thank you for that. You know, um, you mentioned this as you were talking, and I think this is critical because I have found so much purpose in my own life outside of my own work, my workaday world. And you mentioned your friend and I, I love the idea of not putting all the burden of your meaning and existence on this earth in the work that you do in one place. And so, um, you know, I I think that is, you know, I just, I'd love for you to expound upon that because to me it's been life changing. I mean, some of my best friends are in nonprofit nonprofits I work with or, you know, at my church or at my, you know, just, just any other place that isn't the workplace. And I, I love the idea of thinking broader about kind of why we're here and what we're for, um, you know, and, and so just expounding upon that, like getting that pressure maybe off of the workplace as being the only place where you find meaning and purpose. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely onto something. The millennial generation in particular has made this crazy high standard for our work lives and whatever yields a paycheck to also fulfill our purpose mm. and, and allow our passions to yield a paycheck. To which I say, what about hobbies? <laughs> you know, remember hobbies? Remember those like isn't there a time and a place to do something for fun that you're not trying to go pro with? Uh, for instance, I play the drums, and I'm not even very good at them, but I need lessons to learn how to play the drums even better. I maybe take a lesson once or twice a month, but I, you know, I really need learning the drums a priority for myself because it's fun, mm. it's stress-relieving, it's a way to hang out in a, in a bonding kind of way with my friends and my husband without sitting in front of a TV together, mm. and I don't want to go pro, I don't even really want to play in front of anybody, <laughs> it's like, you know, what about doing things you don't want to do on a professional level, give yourself permission to have hobbies again, and, you know, I would say if all of your eggs were in one basket when it came to your personal happiness with one person, and anybody who's been burned in a relationship before knows this, when you invest all of your happiness in one other human being, even if that person is someone you marry, and 
you know, that person cannot be responsible for your happiness. One human being cannot meet every need, I think, psychologically and emotionally for any other one person. That's why we have friends. That's why we have parents to call or siblings to call if you're lucky enough to have three awesome siblings like I do. Oh, nice. We need a, a... we need a diverse portfolio for, right. for our community. And I would say to invest all of your happiness and expect to derive a sense of personal fulfillment from the same thing that yields your paycheck is in many ways a completely ridiculous, privileged notion that nobody should feel like we have to chase. Um, and no generation before the millennial one has really ever put that pressure on ourselves. So I think there's a very real backlash happening right now saying actually it's okay for me to get a paycheck to fund the things that I'm passionate about and that is a-okay yes yes I, I just I just want people to take the burden off of themselves in that because I see it so many so frequently totally. where I am and um, it just isn't the end all be all right <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. So, so I love, I love that. Thank you for that. And thank you for going there with me, help. which doesn't mean anything about prevent burnout, but I think it's important perspective. You know, I, I love that you asked that now, because one of the things I say that's actually so important, I put it in the box that manifesto, which is like this, this one page statement of what it means to boss up in your life. And one of the statements is schedule fun and fitness as deliberately as work meetings. Because if we brought a, a fraction of the responsibility to our personal sustainability that we bring to our professional lives, you know, if you have a meeting at work and let's say it gets canceled for whatever reason, you're going to reschedule it. You're not just going to blow it off. Mm. Same thing should go for your yoga class or catch-up drinks with your besties. You know what I mean? Like Whatever it is that you've got on the docket for you and your personal sustainability we need to be as serious about making them a priority as anything else in our lives, which I know feels selfish and, like, who's got time for that? <laughs> yeah, but... but... your personal sustainability is part of a plan for your professional longevity. Oh, it is. And, you know, I, I appreciated you saying this earlier. You talked about some fitness that you got into. And I will just tell our listeners, you and I, but we didn't know this until today, but we both played volleyball, um, kind of growing up and in, in life. And, and when I left playing, you know, structured, uh, sports in college, I, I, w- I worried about what to do physically. I thought, well, what do I go out there and do now? I don't really have a thing anymore. I don't have to go to practice every day. I don't understand what to do with my life. Um, and it, But it was scheduled and it was part of my life. And I'm so grateful for that experience. But I started running, um, maybe much like you started playing the drums. I'm actually a very, probably a ter- terrible runner. But but I but I never put any pressure on myself when it came to running. And, I'm quite, and in fact, I've loved that because it's been a yeah. fun thing for me all the time. And, and I've run, yeah. you know, now I've probably, run more than 20 marathons and probably 50 half marathons in Whoa. 20 years. But, but here's the Whoa, thing, it, well, well, but, but, but I say that to tell people one, I don't have a runner's body at all. Ladies, I was the front row, bigger girl, you know, on the front row, let me tell you. So there's not a runner's yeah. body, but, but the thing that was so graceful to me was that I didn't put pressure on myself. And so many people kept saying, okay, well, what's your personal record? I was like, well, I finished everyone I started. That's my personal <laughs> record. You know? So I just, I just think, I, I, I think, you know, just this idea of not, you know, putting all this pressure on yourself, but just go to enjoy it. Like you do the drums, you know, just doing something that is so freeing to you. And for me, I kind of lose myself. I listen to podcasts and I love, you know, that kind of thing. Now boss step will be on the list as I go run. But I just, 
I love this idea of just giving yourself this kind of grace that we all need yeah. <laughs> um, in our lives, Absolutely. you know, and, and finding the and you thing. Know what, yeah. You know what is beautiful about that is the grace you show yourself, those are the exact messages we're sending to all of the people in our lives, mm. giving them permission to give themselves that same grace, whether it's a little girl who's looking up at mom and saying, wow, mom plays the drums because it's fun, or mom runs marathons just because she actually cares about keeping herself feeling healthy and happy and fulfilled. Like, those are powerful lessons to teach the little girls who are coming up behind us about how to care for themselves. And it works in the opposite direction, too. I can speak from experience because after I navigated my own big career transition, my father, who is 60, who's been practicing law for a long time, but quite frankly, didn't particularly enjoy it. Mm-hmm. He, in the past three years, has pivoted into small batch manufacturing at a company in my hometown, totally different than his attorney role in the past, and he loves it. He has a team that he loves. He goes into an office with a bunch of other people every day, and he's also now hitting the gym with the head of the company almost every lunch break. And this is a man who I don't think has had a regular exercise regimen in close to 30 years. Oh, wow. So, you know, just, you know, anybody can start, but it takes understanding yourself and your own burnout triggers and committing to changing those things. Just like if your loved one came up to you and said, here's this recurring part of my life that's driving me crazy, that's, that's burning me out, you would say, well, let's fix it. Let's do something about it. And we need to give ourselves that same effort and energy. And to see my dad do that, someone who I didn't think, you know, was going to change very much. I love it. I love that. It's beautiful. (laughs) It it is. You know, so it seems like in a roundabout way, we might have been answering some of my other questions I had written down here. But, you know, just what, what are some other tangible things we can do to kind of prevent burnout before we're all the way there or if we're there when we're in it you know I mean just 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 what are some other tangible things we can give our listeners well first if you're feeling burnt out right now and you're listening to this podcast and you're identifying with a lot of the symptoms that I've been describing the first step is to ask for help and I think we have this notion in our heads that if we don't go it alone we can't go it at all or it's Mm. some personal failing and I have to push back against that because Burnout and mental health writ large is such a foundation of success for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how I think Amy Poehler wrote in her book, Yes, Please, she said, sleep helps you win at life. Mm-hmm. And I think all kinds of, like a strong mental health foundation helps you crush it in every other category of life that you care about, whether it's being a good friend, a good wife, a good mother, a good worker, whatever. So put your oxygen mask on first, whatever that looks like for you. Get yourself into a doctor's office, talk about these chronic stress symptoms because they affect your health. Mm. This is not a personal failing, this is a health problem. Mm. Um, so whatever that looks like for you, talk to somebody, ask for help, whether it's in your faith community, in your family, in your friends, but if you're not really getting the solutions, you need to keep asking until you find the right person. Mm. I love, I love those reminders. You know, you had mentioned earlier today that the leaders that have an impact on this in, in the workplace, if, if we have leaders listening to us right now, kind of what are the things that leaders can really be doing in organizations to help prevent burnout of their employees? 
great question. So this requires sort of a macro level perspective at, of, of looking at burnout. And I would say the first thing is we all need to ask our workers how they're doing. <laughs> we need to give them an anonymous mm. feedback loop. Mm. And I, I call it feedback loop, loop because if you ask once and then don't ask again for three years, you're going to have all this pent-up feedback that they're not going to give you otherwise, unless there's a very clear system for gauging how we're doing what we're doing, not just what we're doing. A lot of times we measure metrics like, sales made or hours in, productivity out, and we pride ourselves on all of those metrics, but measuring some of the more intangible perceptions of how people are being treated in the workplace is hugely important. Um, and so I, you know, I actually work with organizations to provide cultural assessments through in-person qualitative interviews as well as quantitative surveys about do I feel valued here? Do I feel like I'm in the right world? Do I feel passionate about what we're doing every day? Do I feel like I have an avenue for uh, promotion and success? And do I feel valued? And when the answers are no, if you aren't getting that feedback, you're just going to have a high rate of attrition. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a turnover problem. And that can be extremely expensive. So once you're measuring and providing a feedback loop for staff and employees to describe how they're, how they're experiencing or not employee burnout, you know, building in time for renewal is so important. We live in a culture that is go, go, go all the time, but for a leader to get up and say, okay, these next four weeks are going to be the hardest, most intense four weeks of our entire year, so I want everybody to be scheduling their vacation time for the next two or three months. And one mm. of the things I do... I love that. Yeah. And say, let's all schedule our vacation explicitly. Let's encourage our employees to put vacation time on schedule. Not just offer it, but actively encourage it and make vacation time actual, unplugged, unbothered vacation time. Mm. You know, there are certain ways that you can structure for renewal, whether it's having a company softball league and giving people Fridays off in the summer. You know, whatever it is that you think can refuel and renew your organization and your staff members um, without being at the cost, of course, of productivity, but instead showing them that you believe in sustainable long-term success. So you believe what the data says, which is that happier, healthier workers are more productive and harder working. Oh, I love I love those reminders for leaders because I really feel like they have such an impact and really can change everything about a workplace, you know, much, much quicker totally. than the employees. So so that's such a good reminder to myself and, and certainly uh, the other leaders that are out there listening. You know, just the, the one last area that I wanted to, us to think through, if you don't mind, is, is really just as somebody who may not be in control, meaning a leader in the workplace or yeah. things like that, but, but a friend or a spouse, if you see your friend or your, your spouse or, or brother, sister, et cetera, kind of reaching this burnout, what are some tangible things we can be doing to really help that person? It is so hard. This is the hardest question because I firmly believe the whole saying about you can bring a horse to water, mm. you can't make them drink. Mm. And I have had conversations with friends of mine in which I say, wow, I'm really worried about you. You know, a friend of mine recently who I was listening told me about uh, the last job they were in and how 
the culture there is extremely toxic, extremely burnt, burnout culture-y. They live in Manhattan, right? Mm. So this is kind of the epicenter <laughs> of hyper-connectedness that is New York City. That's really alarming. I'm so sorry to hear you went through that. What do you do when you experience that in the future? Like, what are your coping mechanisms? Hopefully besides hardcore drugs. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What is, what is happening? What you, and so just being there to listen is a hard thing to do because we want to solve. We want to problem solve. But rarely can something that you say in that moment actually solve the problem. What people want, or I think what the more productive thing to do in those moments is to say that you care and that worries you and that scares you and you believe that they should have you know, more support in their life. And what does that look like? And ask them questions about coping mechanisms that are better, different, and, and there in the future. And mm-hmm. even just saying, like, I want you to know if you ever are feeling that way that I don't know what I can do, but I, I'm always there to talk with you if you ever need that, mm-hmm. that support, you know? I love that. And unless yeah. you're a clinical professional, it's sort of like you're not in a position to really problem solve with people. You're in a position to be there emotionally and that requires vulnerability on your part mm. uh, to go there and not get squeamish about it and just and listen and open up and, and and help that person and encourage that person to seek professional help mm. when needed. You know, I, I love that reminder. I, I, I love what, what I hear you saying too, is just persistence in it. Just, just being there constantly, not the one-time call. Like you mentioned about the feedback loop, it needs to be just being there um, all the time for that friend, because at some point they really, really may need you and they just need to know that you're there. And so yeah. that'll, that'll take the time exactly. and investment of friendship. Um, just, just and that you're not going to be judgmental. Right. 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 So if you, if you react with, oh my God, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> Don't do that. You're bad. You yeah. know, instead of, oh, my goodness, that's so alarming. I'm so scared for you because I care so much for you. Yeah. And just that slight framework, like, all the shame and blame-ish is going to ruin the likelihood of that person ever reaching out to you again. Right, right. Well, so that's... however we can respond without judgment, which is extremely hard, um, but to suspend our judgment and respond with empathy and vulnerability and, and compassion well, I love that. You know, I just, before we end, are there any other things you want to talk about for burnout prevention that we may not have, have hit on yet today? I just want to make sure that all your great advice, because it's so good, is coming out to all our listeners <laughs> and that they hear it before we, before we close yeah. out today. I think the last thing I, I would say is, you know, to recognize that for burnout prevention, we and her health and her well-being a priority and be there for others. 
Um, and they're not a zero-sum game. I think Audre Lorde summed it up best. She was a radical, uh, queer poet who said, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. So there's a lot of, of gender socialization that we are up against that requires an equal and opposite force combat by being assertive about what we want in our lives, by drawing healthy boundaries in a way that might make some people uncomfortable, but you are worth it, and you are actually changing so much more than your own life when you show other people what it looks like to be happy, healthy, and, and sustainable in mm. your own pursuit. Well, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom with us today. Appreciate it. And Thank where, you, where, Ralph, it's been a pleasure. Remind everybody one more time where they can find Bossed Up just so that we don't let them go yeah. without reminding them. Yes. Oh, well, check me out at bossedup.com. That's B-O-S-S-E-D, as in dog, up.com. So bossedup.com. And I'm also on all the social media at bossedup.org, the bossedup.org, and at Emily Aries, E-M-I-L-I-E, last name just like the Zodiac. I love it. Thank you so much. And the other resource I would be remiss to not mention is the program that actually started my entire company called Bossed Up Boot Camp. It's a weekend-long training program for women who are navigating a change moment or a change season in their lives and in their careers and want to approach crafting their career in a sustainable and holistic way. So in one weekend together, we tackle work love and wellness with seven different trainers present uh, with a whole lot of fun they'll get out of it including a bottomless mimosa brunch at which point we talk money well count me in (laughs) and um, you know everyone leaves with a professional headshot but really more than that it's an opportunity to clarify your vision for what it would look like to live a happy healthy and sustainable life and leave with an action plan for making it happen and when is the next one of those? So our next one is this weekend in D.C. Ah, okay. <laughs> It'll probably be too late, but we have one more coming up in 2018 in November, November 17th and 18th in Los Angeles. And then in 2018, we'll be all over the country again. So you can find all the dates for Chicago, D.C., New York, and L.A. at bossedup.org slash bootcamp. Got it. All right, Emily, are you ready for the Fast Five? Ready as all <laughs> All right, it won't be too painful, I promise. Okay, <laughs> question number one, what is your personal anthem or song that gets you going? You know every word to and love it every time you hear it. Oh, I think it has to be Tightrope by Janelle Monae. That's what I'm jamming to these days. I love it. I love it. That's a great one. Okay, number two, what is the healthiest thing you do on a regular basis? I make myself breakfast smoothies. Not only are they really healthy when, when you've got all the right ingredients on here, but they're so fast and so easy and so delicious. Oh, I love that. My husband's a smoothie guy. That sounds perfect. Right. Next time we meet in person, we'll have breakfast smoothies. I like that. Um, right. So uh, this is question number three. It's kind of two parts, but give it to me just as number three. What is your favorite book to inspire all the boss women out there? And are you reading it on a tablet, phone, computer, or the real thing? Ooh, I'm a paper book reader myself. And I actually would love to, to plug my book right now, which is coming out in May. There you go. I'm in the midst of I'm in the midst of editing it, and it sums up everything I just described to 
to you in our interview and really practical ways to be the boss of your life. So boss up coming May of next year. Nice. Can't wait to read that. That's fabulous. Thank you for that. That's awesome. And then number four, what is the one thing in your life that you are never without and why? Well, my tattoo is all I can think of. I love that. <laughs> because I, I try to leave myself on her own pretty often, actually. But my little diamond uh, tattoo on my wrist that my husband and I got, he got a much bigger version. But this is the only ink I think I'll ever get. And it was in, in place of wedding bands because we just got married and... I'm the kind of person who would actually lose a real diamond, so this is a diamond I can't lose. Oh, I love that. That's so precious. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, It's okay. The one thing I said in mine is I always have a bottle opener, like, at all times, which I don't know what that says about me, but but at all times, I I have a multi-tool with me, like a little pocket multi-tool. But anyway, okay, so this one was maybe a little stockerella when I was looking you up and and learning all kind of things about you, but, but I think if I got this right, that you are a baker. So I had to ask question number five, that what was your favorite thing to bake? Oh my goodness. So last night I just finished the Great British Bake Off or the <gasps> Great British Baking Competition on Netflix, which I'm obsessed with. Oh, I have to tell and Karen. She's going to love that because she's based yeah, in I, London. I love it. <laughs> I am so obsessed with that show and it's made me want to bake all kinds of savory things that we don't have here. <gasps> Let's see. My favorite go-to bake, I love this particular peanut butter granola cupcake recipe that is my husband's favorite. I think it's part of how I snagged him. Nice. He fell in love with me. <laughs> yeah, his stomach, because that's our fave, fave thing to eat. Okay, wait, but can we find that on bossedup.org? Can we find yeah, that? I should. I'll share some, some quick bakes. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay, you survived the five. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> This episode is generously sponsored by Blonde Biscotti Coffee and Biscotti Bar in the heart of Houston, Texas. They are proud to serve third wave coffee and soft baked biscotti, blondebiscotti.com. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to click the subscribe button on iTunes so you never miss a show. And we want to hear from you, so please feel free to send us your questions and comments to notwonderwomanpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us at our website, notwonderwoman.com.